We're continuing our series in the book of Acts. Today we get to the subject and the picture of the church. And so I'm going to start off a little differently today. I'm going to ask a question, and I'd love to hear your response. How would you define the church? How would you define the church? When you describe what the church is, what is your definition? Who wants to go first? Group of true believers. The gathering of people to worship God. Gathering of people to worship God, DJ. The gathering of Christians. Gathering of Christians. You got one, Jeff? Family of followers, good deal. So um, I was looking, all this is good stuff. Um, I was looking through Google searches and you look up churches and go through the slides. So you have simple churches, more elaborate churches. Even more, and then if you keep Googling far enough down, you get to church's chicken, <laughs> right? And so I'm looking for different pictures and representations of the church, and I'm thinking all of those on Google search miss the mark, and, and you guys, for the most part, you have different evidences of the church, what the church is. And, and so we're going to look at a clear picture from Acts chapter 2, about what the church is. And so I, I use, uh, I'll use this as an illustration. Camden, come on up. <laughs> Camden had uh, the problem yesterday. She was the only one available at the house, and I'm talking to my sister. Mike, come on up. We're going to do what we did yesterday. <laughs> just, to give you, just to give you some background, uh, my sister has zero experience when it comes to football. Her son, however, is playing some football. So she sends me this video and she says, hey, listen, uh, Ben, Sam, and Andrew, together we have about 30 years of experience playing football. Um, both of my brothers could play better players than I was. Um, we should be able to help Liam out during his peewee days. Um, and so she says, hey, can you give him some pointers to help him out? And sure enough, uh, Camden, you're the running back. You have the ball, all right? So act like you have the football. There you go. All right, I'm Liam. Of course, I was Liam. Liam had a good block. It's the only time I can push Mike around. Mike's up here, he's the defense. So they start and they go and they're pushing and the running back's running here. Stop. The running back gets to here and Liam accidentally gets on this side, right? And the guy runs this way and thankfully the running back was faster than the big guy Liam was blocking. Keep on going. And the running back scored a touchdown. All right, thank you. You guys can sit down. Now, I start talking to Sarah and say, hey, Sarah, he did great. He pushed this guy 10 yards off the line. Nobody's going to complain. No coach is going to complain about that. Just remind him to keep his body in between him and the ball carrier. And then Sarah makes the comment that I assume she already knew. She goes, so Liam needs to know the place. Yes, Liam has to know where the guy's going to run so he can push his guy away from him and not to him. Well, in the same way, when it comes to the church, I think a lot of us have an idea of, of what the church is, what's it, what does it do, but I want us to get clarity on this. And so it's good to go back to Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. This is a beautiful description of how the church should operate. And so this is an ideal situation. And what I want us to see as Redemption Church and in the place where we're located, how can we apply the characteristics we find in these verses to us today? Some of them we're doing really well at. Some of them we're struggling with. So we want to be open and honest, and we want to go and do what we see in this word. All right? 
So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We'll read this. Uh, we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dig in. So please stand as we read Acts chapter 2. <coughs> Starting with verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you're taking notes, make sure you get these verses down. Acts 42, 42 to 47. Here we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for clearly showing us what the church is. You've called us together. I pray we pursue this together. I pray that you change our hearts, direct our mission to you be the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So number one, when it comes to the church, let's look at entry. How do you become a member of a church. Sometimes that's confusing. Like, how can you get into uh, a membership? And so, um, I forget if it was Balin or Camden, they had this note on their door. They had this exclusive club, but thankfully there was a loophole. I'll interpret. Don't worry, I'll interpret. Girls club. No boys except daddy. Right? And so I'm in the club because I met the requirements, right? No boys except that I love that clause, right? And so we want to be clear. When we're talking about the church, I don't want us to assume we're in the church if we're not. That's a very scary thing. And so I want us to be clear when we come to this text and we're describing what the church is, don't assume you are in the church because you show up at a certain time at a certain location, and do certain things. And so I want us to see, how do I join this place? How do I join this church? Let's see what the text says. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter just preaches this sermon. And then hear what he says. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then later on, in verse 44, and all who believed. So you have this idea of repenting, and believing, and baptism. And then you see in verse 47, the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So the church entrance is granted to those who believe, repent from sin, are forgiven, are saved, and are baptized. Those are the two things when it comes to entrance into the church. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you been baptized? That's what the... Apostles made the requirements for membership as early as in Acts chapter 2. That is the requirements for Redemption Church. And so this is what I want, I want to park here just for a second. Some of you in the room are not part of the church, and you can be. This is what we believe. This is what the Bible teaches, that me and you are separated from God. Right? We are born bent away from God. We want to do what we want to do. I want to do what I want to do. So it's my money, my car, my house, 
my job, my girlfriend or my boyfriend, whatever makes me happy is what I'm doing, right? We're built towards worshiping ourselves. And the Bible calls that sin. And that sin separates us from God. We see that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve thought they knew better than God. They said, you know what? He said, don't eat of this tree. I want to eat from this tree. I'm going to. They take, they eat, sin enters, death separates, and from then on we've been struggling with this issue. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus is God. We celebrate this at Christmas time where God became man, came to this earth, lived for 33 years, which I used to think was old. Now I think it's young since I'm on the other side of 33. But in 33 years, never once made a mistake. Lived a perfect life, continually glorifying and seeking the Father, doing what the Father has called him to do. He goes to the cross, nailed to the tree, even though he has no sin to pay for. So whose sin is he paying for? Yours and mine. He's buried, but then how many days later? Three days later, God raises him from the grave. He walks around with people. He eats meals with people. He teaches the disciples. And then he ascends to the Father where he is today, interceding on our behalf, and he is soon returning. And there is forgiveness available to all who believe in Jesus. Do you believe Jesus can forgive you of your sin? Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe God raised him from the grave? The Bible says all who call on the name of the Jesus, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So if you want to enter the church, it's through the cross. So when Jesus says, I am the door, he means he's the only way to the Father. And it's available. So, Phil, yesterday we go to Kentucky Christian University, right? We get there, we walk in. Phil was the man. He got us all in, right? So they're recruiting Phil to, to play some foosball down there. Um, we go on this two-hour trip. It's me, it's Coach Hop, it's Mike Hall and Aiden and Phil. We got some beef in the car, right? We, we show up. You know we're football players. Um, we, we walk through, and, and Phil's leading the way. Is, is his name on it? Yeah, Phil Madison. How many tickets do you need? Four. Phil gets it, gets it in permanent marker. Four written down. He, he goes, and then he shows me. I'm like, Phil, how many guys we got? Five. How many names are on the ticket? Oh, man, we only got four. So we go into this assembly. The head coach is talking, and I'm thinking, oh, man, we're going to be short of ticket. We got to figure this out. We saw that we had a need, right? We needed a, another ticket. So we assume that Kentucky Christian could take care of this, right? Surely to goodness they'll give us another ticket. We go back to the table. The lady's still there. Hey, I'm sorry, we have five people, not four. Say, oh, no problem. Takes the ticket, uses the same permanent marker, X's out four, puts on five, and we go uh, and we get into the game for free, fill with the, the hookup. But the thing is, we wouldn't have gotten that had we not asked. Right? It's available. It was free. But we wouldn't have gotten it if we didn't see our need and we didn't ask for it. What scares me to death would be people who don't see their need for Christ and never ask God for forgiveness. Because if that happens, there are eternal consequences on the table. Not to mention, you can know Jesus, who is the best thing life has to offer. Your joy to the fullest is found in Christ. 
Your peace that surpasses all understanding is found in Christ. And people are missing Him. And all they have to do is ask. So we were walking to the game. We're going in. And I look at the prices for the tickets. For an adult, it was $16. For a student, it was $8. And I started adding it up. And my math's not great. But I got to $56 for all five of us. Like, that would have been costly. That's a little bit expensive to go to a college football game. And I started thinking, you know, the tickets were free for us, but it wasn't cheap for the university. It cost them something. And the same is true when it comes to membership of the church. Nobody in here has to pay dues because it's already been paid. Jesus paid for everything that we need to be okay before the Father. And so he takes my sin on the cross and he gives me his righteousness so that when I stand before God, he doesn't see all the junk I've done. He sees what Jesus has done for me. Now that is free, but do you see it's not cheap? So forgiveness is free and we love that. That's called grace. But never ever think that it was cheap. It cost Christ his life. So if you want to be a member of the church, you have to repent of your sin Turn from your selfishness. Believe in Jesus. And then that, that second thing is to be baptized. And baptizing is just a public demonstration of what you've already done, uh, spiritually speaking. So what will happen eventually? We're working with a guy. We're trying to get this wrapped up. But hey, this doesn't matter how good this looks or how bad this looks. What matters is that it's filled with water. And once we get this filled with water, what will happen is you'll have some steps here. You'll walk up. I'll be holding your hand. I can stand outside, right? I'll hold your hand, and you'll walk down. We'll make sure you don't trip. Walk down, make sure you don't trip. And now I say, hey, based on your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, based on you believe in Jesus, I'm going to baptize you, my brother or my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then guess what happens? You get lower into the water, right? How far do you go? How far do you think you go, Khalil? You think you go all the way under? You do. You've got to hold your nose like this, so why did I get up your nose? Right? Nobody's drowned yet in the baptism. You go all the way under. Now, Keandre, do I hold people under? I might hold some of you guys under a little bit longer, but I'm not holding anybody under for really long. right? You go under the water all the way, and then you come back out. Why? Isn't that a weird thing? Like, how many times do you guys come to a, a gathering and someone gets dunked? That doesn't usually happen. Why do you do that? That's a good point. Not even, like you're not even do, getting, like you're not even washing away all of your sins. There's still, there's still some sins. That's so, hey, when you die, are you completely dead? No. You better be. If they bury you and you're not completely dead, that's bad news. So what happens? You're completely dead, and then what happens? In Jesus, you have new, life. new life. You come completely out. Right? That's a great picture. Right? So baptism represents two things. One, you're dead to yourself. You have new life in Christ. That way you go completely under the water. Good job, DJ. And then it represents the death of Christ. And they didn't stay in the tomb, the resurrection. Right? And so it's a spiritual picture. It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality. And so if you have never been baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that. That's very, very important. So repenting of sin, believing in Christ, baptism. That's how you enter the church. It's pretty clear from this text. All right. So now once you enter, what do you do? And I love this. We have a great 
example of what to do. Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And we're going to start out, they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. What is that? That's the Bible. They devoted themselves to the Word. So if you're taking notes, if you're in the church, what's a characteristic of the church? It's a people who are devoted to the Word. A people devoted to the Word. You see this? Uh, devoted to apostles' teaching. The church is a people devoted to the Bible. That's Old and New Testament. Right? 66 books. Um, and each book points to Jesus. We want to know God. And you can know God through His Word. And so I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know what the younger, the underclassmen have to read, but I know seniors, we have to read 1984, the book 1984. If you ever read the book 1984, it is depressing, right? It's called a dystopia. I didn't know what dystopia meant until I, I looked up the vocab words this week. Basically, everything that can go wrong goes wrong, and that's the world you live in. So I'm thinking, well, this is encouraging. Started reading the first chapter, it doesn't get any better in the second chapter, right? And I'm saying, this is a waste of time. But I want to get a good grade. I want to be able to teach these guys. And so we worked through this book, 1984. The Bible is not like that. There's a few passages in the Bible that I want us to write down. If you're taking notes, and you should be taking notes, write down this text. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is what we read. For the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when you read this book, what happens is it judges you. It shows you reality. It convicts you of sin. It convicts you of things that you need to do. This is a book unlike any other. The Holy Spirit that we talked about last week indwelling us wrote this book. And it convicts us, teaches us how to move forward. Another verse that we need to know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God, now real quick, Paul's writing to Timothy. That's why he uses that the man of God. But this applies to ladies and men that we may be competent, equipped for every good work. There are things that God has for you, and you'll be equipped to do them because you're devoted to the Bible. Now, when I start looking at some of the things I am devoted to and we are devoted to, how far down the list do we have to go before the Bible shows up? And make no mistake, this is a battle that you will have to fight. If you do not prioritize God's Word in your life, something else will take the place of the Bible. And I look around, and I can remember in high school, um, we were so busy because we had school and then practice, and then I was tired, and I just wanted to chill out. So on Monday night, it'd be Monday night football. On Tuesday night, it'd be something else. On Wednesday night, it'd be something. If you don't, have a devotion to the Bible, it won't show up in your life. And so I just started to write down things. I thought, what are we devoted to? And I started to think. Um, I think we're devoted to our comfort, and we see that by how we spend our free time. So when you get a minute, and you get to choose what to do, what do you choose to do? So in talking, and I love, I love working at homes because I have a huge population just to ask random questions to. 
Some of the students look at me crazy, but I say, hey, man, when, when you get a free time, what do you do? Um, this is what came up. I sleep, go out to eat, hang out with friends, play video games, watch something on Netflix. And we even have students that can get through a whole season of something in a weekend. Why? Because they're devoted to, everybody in the room is devoted to something. The church, one of the marks, is that we're a people devoted to the Word. So I just want to give you a couple success stories. Wednesday night, Young Life's in the, the building, um, and, and they're pretty serious about the gospel, which is one reason we're partnering with them. Um, and they have some students that they're challenging to read the Word. I had a, a high school girl come up and say, hey, Brown, I made it through a whole book of the Bible. Like, man, that's awesome. What book? Philippians. What's Philippians? I'm not sure. Oh, Philippians. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Philippians. Great. And, and then she goes, man, I read the first chapter, and I thought, well, there's only three more left. I'll get through it all. Man, she read through the whole book of Philippians. And then there was another girl sitting there. She's like, I haven't made it through a book of the Bible yet. I go, well, what book are you going to get? She's like, I don't know. I go, how about Ephesians? How many chapters? It's only six. I can do that. I'll do it. And it started to catch on. And then another student said, well, I'm going to read something. We gave that student Colossians. So how many chapters? Four. So we almost had a fight over Colossians since it only had four. And Ephesians because it had six chapters. But what happened is all of a sudden students are getting a taste of the Word of God. And then they're seeing that, hey, man, this is powerful. There's some stuff in here that I had no idea about. And it's transforming them. Another thing we're trying to do uh, with teachers and staff this year is give everybody a memory verse uh, for every week of school. And we looked at the beginning of the year before our dates got mixed up, there were 40 weeks. And I thought if teachers could memorize 40 passages in a year, that's a pretty good year. That's a productive year. And so we, we've started, and so far we've done it through four weeks. I won't call anybody out that's in the group if they have their verses memorized, but I think our teachers are doing well. And today, we're actually changing it up. So we have one, two, three, four, five. We got six high school students up here. And what they're going to do today before they go out with, with some of their guys, they're going to write down on index cards the verse for this week for teachers. And so they'll have to write about three cards. And what will happen is after they write it three times, they'll get that in their mind. And hopefully it gets to their heart. Right? When you write something down that many times, you're starting to get it. And then they're putting their name on the other side of the card, and they're going to give it to uh, me, I'll give it to the teachers, but the teachers will have their name, and they'll actually be able to pray for them through the week. So now teachers don't only have to memorize a passage, they also have to pray for a student. But how cool is that, that we're doing, like, well, why do you do that? That's a, that's a little bit of writing. It's a lot of index cards. Well, we're a people devoted to the Word. And then the, the last thing I want to mention when it comes to this, um, we're devoted to the Word, not just so that we know it, but that we do it. And I think this is very, very important. It's a, it's a caution. Um, in, in James chapter 1, verse 22, says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In, in my history, in the church, some of the people that knew the Bible the most did it the least. Some of the people that knew the Bible the most lived it out the least. And I do not want that to be said of Redemption Church. So the whole goal of knowing this book is to, one, know God. And when you know God, we want to be like him. So we should be marked by people who have joy to the fullest, who know about peace and know about kindness and gentleness and self-control and love, because those are the characteristics you see marking God. And so I want us to be a people who love this word and love living it before others. So they're devoted to the word. Number two. Not only are they devoted to the Word, they are devoted to each other. 
Verse 42, it talks about devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And this includes sharing meals. It also includes the Lord's Supper, which we will do next week. We do that the first of every month. We do that together as a family. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any who had need. Verse 46 and 47, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Do you see this as a reality for Redemption Church? Do you see a devotion to one another? This is one area I would love to grow in. Jesus gave this uh, commandment to uh, the disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And, and you see how much Jesus loves and cares for his disciples. He says, if you have love for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. Covington will see a radical difference in a community of believers who are marked with a devotion to the word, but also a devotion to each other because it doesn't make sense. Give you a couple of examples, and you guys know this already. We have people that live in Florence that drive to Covington to mentor high school and middle school girls. That doesn't make sense to the world. Like, what, what's going on? Like, what are they getting after? Right? How cool would it be, Jameer, right? You have uh, a wrist injury, right? When did that happen? Last Friday. Last Friday. I wonder how many people prayed for you this week for your hand injury. You see, when we're devoted to each other, now all of a sudden, an injury to one becomes a concern for all. And how cool would it be to have Richard Cleet, who follows us pretty closely. Unfortunately, whether we win or lose, I hear it again on Sunday from Mr. Cleet. So we need to win some games so he can bring in more clippings of some good news. But man, how cool would it be Richard Cleet's praying for you, not only for your hand to get better, but then, man, you got a lot of things going on this year, right? Everybody know what grade Jameer's in? He's a senior. Right? Got a lot of big decisions to make. He's going to have to figure out whether he wants to do basketball or not. He's going to have to pray about that. He's going to have to figure out college, what college, the major, what major. There's a lot of stuff going on. And he's just one of a lot of students that come. And we got to get into each other's lives. All right, now I'm going to put you guys on the spot. How many of you guys know Rick Watson? Anybody know where Rick Watson works? Trick question. Does anybody know Rick Watson's family? Has anyone been on Rick Watson's deck and almost died? <laughs> One has. <laughs> One has. We have to get into each other's life. And the cool part is when that happens, nobody's going to understand why. And when people see it, they're going to be drawn to the community of believers. Because the world wants that sense of community, wants that unity. Slogan at the middle school, Mr. Bohannon uh, kept on saying this after every announcement, after every conversation, teamwork makes the dream work, right? In football, there's a lot of slogans. Uh, it's we, not me, team, together, everyone achieves more. But the church is actually empowered to do this. Why? Because when I came to Christ, Jesus sent his spirit to dwell in me, and he's changing me, transforming me, and we're pursuing the same thing. So when Andrew came to Christ, guess what? Holy Spirit is poured out into his life. He has the same spirit that I have. What happens? That's unity. A lot of times with the football team, even when we win, Owen County, we're winning. Guys are complaining that they didn't get enough minutes, didn't get enough touches. It wasn't their turn to score. Why? 
Because we live in a world that is consumed with self. Consumed with being an individual. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something. It makes me nervous, but I'm going to try something. So, who likes M&Ms? All right. Mike, don't, don't open them yet. Who likes Skittles? All right, now, real quick, don't open them yet. Tracy, when you caught the Skittles, did you think these are my Skittles? What did you think? Come on, for the example, right? Camden, did you catch them? No, Balin. Balin got them? Balin, when you caught the Skittles, did you think these are my Skittles? What did you think? Somebody else's, all right, interesting. Mike. When you caught your M&M's, what did you think? They mine. These are. What did you think? All right. So this is interesting, right? But here, the instant, what I would think, man, I raised my hand. I caught the Skittles or the M&M's. I'm not sharing, right? We have a bent towards being about ourselves. Now, I want to be careful because this passage isn't uh, saying, hey, we need to be socialist. What this thing is seeing is when Mike catches these M&Ms, let's say Taiwan hasn't eaten all day, but Mike really likes M&Ms. He has to decide whether he is going to value, be devoted to himself or be devoted to others and share. And something as simple and as little and as insignificant as a pack of Skittles or a pack of M&Ms, but you see how our heart tends to protect ourselves. We have so far to go in this. And what you see in the church is they were very, very aware of other people's needs. And I will say this, as a church, we're doing better and better at this. When we see a need, we sacrifice to meet it. I love some of the examples in the early church. People were starving. They would fast for a day, send the money and the bread that they would save to the, those that were starving. Like, that's a pretty cool picture. And some of you guys are doing the same thing, sacrificing a lot of stuff in order to give to meet needs. And then sometimes we think, well, it's just money. No, sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's talent. So, Mike, I'll use you. Mike had to go uh, work on the gutter uh, this past week, um, and he didn't have to. He could have gone to a Friday night game over at Scott, which would have been a lot more fun and a lot safer. But he's up on scaffolding working on a gutter because he valued somebody else over himself. Right? And this is what I want us to see as a church. I want us to value each other. And the only way we do this, you'll, you'll see this in the text, when, you, when, you come, when this all comes together, you, you see that this is consistent. They were doing this day by day. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're with somebody day in and day out, it's going to require patience. They're going to do things that get on your nerves. You have to be patient with people, but you don't give up on the fellowship. So not only does it require patience, not only does it require consistency, it also uh, leads to joy. They said that they were filled with gratitude. I don't know about you, but man, the more people I have in my life, the more flavorful my life is. So I didn't know about Airbnbs until Coach Tucker told me something about it. I wouldn't try it. I wouldn't try it going. Man, and, and so he just adds a perspective to it. There's a lot of riches that people add to your life, and you have to rub shoulders with them. Also requires humility. 
You have to have people that are able to speak truth into your life because we get it wrong. I get it wrong. You get it wrong. And when someone calls you out on it, will you be humble enough to say, you know what, you're right, forgive me, and stop doing it? How would you feel if someone comes up to you on a Sunday and like, hey, man, I, I saw this last week, and I just wanted to bring this up. I, I don't know if you were uh, very loving or gentle with your wife this week. You were kind of harsh when you said, I'm leaving. I'm tired of talking after church. We've got to go. And, and I think you need to change. I wonder how that conversation would go. Right? Because if we're devoted to one another, we'll trust that. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. We'll see that as an opportunity to grow. Right? We've got to have open and honest conversations. We've got to be humble. Uh, it also requires sacrifice. Lots of sacrifice. Right? Sacrificing your time, your comfort. Like everybody after church, most people want to go home and take a nap. But you'll have opportunities to do other things. I'm not saying that's wrong to go home and take a nap. But I'm saying if that's your number one priority, maybe you're not devoted to others. There's also uh, the devotion led to worship of God. They would go to the temple, they're praising God. That's what happens when you get people together who love Jesus. Worship's going to break out. Look at what God's doing here. Look at what God's doing in my life. Look at this person and how their life's transformed. And it's just you're going to lift up praises to God. And then I just want to go over some of these one another's. Think about these one another's and see how well we do them. All right? Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Do you think we do that? Instruct one another. Now, real quick, instructing one another is not giving your opinion as if it's the Bible. Right? When we instruct one another, we want to be rooted in the Word. So people who are devoted to the Word are able to help instruct others. Right? And so Phil... And Ms. Baldwin's class can call me out, hey, Brown, you know what? You're not giving your best effort. Your effort in first period today did not honor God. You came in, you smacked a couple kids on the back of their heads, and you didn't teach anybody. Not very good effort, right? He's able to instruct me because he knows the word and can apply it to my life. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do we do well at that? Serve one another through love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Be patient with one another. Encourage one another. Carry another's, one another's burdens. And, and I love this. You'll have opportunities to carry each other's burdens. And when that happens, it is a beautiful thing. And a lot of times we live in a world where we don't want anybody to know what is burdening us. And God is teaching you in that moment how to let people into your lives and see how you can have relief and joy through the trials by having someone else shoulder the burden with you. It's only done when you are devoted to each other. Always pursue what is good for one another. Don't criticize or complain about each other. And be hospitable to one another. Do you guys open up your homes? Share your vehicles? Share your food? Look out for each other? And these are just a few of the one another's. And so one area that I want us to grow in, I want us to grow in community, I want us to know names with faces. And as we grow, and that'll happen if, if we are devoted to these things, as we grow, we have to be devoted to each other. We have to put a value on community. It will not come naturally. So if we were ranking 1 through 10, what would you give Redemption Church at being devoted to one another? And then finally, People devoted to the word, people devoted to each other, people devoted to prayer. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to fly through this one 
because this will be later on in the sermon series. You see that they were devoted themselves to prayers. They seek God together. They ask for direction together. Their dependence is upon God and is seen in how they pray. Would people say we are a group that is devoted to pray? And so Thursday nights, I know, is another night out of the week that you have to do something. Give that a very high priority. When God's people come together and pray for some specifics, God moves and does some powerful things. And so the first Thursday of every month will be here. If you can make it, get here. If you can't, we understand, get here the next time. Or catch up on what we prayed for, and then you pray that night. All right? But we have to pray together. We don't do that just because you're at church and we pray. We pray because God hears us and he moves and we're dependent on him to move or else nothing changes. And then number three, expectation. Acts 2, 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When people are devoted to the word, devoted to each other and pray, people are attracted to that. Man, God's moving. There's something different about this group. Look at how they care for one another. I want to know about the Jesus that they worship. And the numbers grow. And so I, I'll, I'll use this as an illustration. Julianne makes some of the best homemade chocolate chip cookies. I'm not being sarcastic. They are fantastic. Those aren't them. They look even better. But those are chocolate chip cookies. And I was afraid to put this up because it's getting close to lunchtime. Stomachs are going to start. We're talking about chicken. we got M&M's and skills. we got chocolate chip cookies. We have these chocolate chip cookies. I, want, I just want to go through the process. Julianne mixes one egg, brown sugar, flour, Crisco, salt, baking powder, milk, vanilla, and chocolate chips. Puts them on the cooking sheet, sets the oven for 375. And once the bell rings, you put them in the oven for 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Now listen, this is an exact science. If you do it at 11 minutes, they're not done. If you wait till 12, they get a little burnt. They get a little hard after they're done. 11 minutes, 30 seconds. And then when I go to that, this is, this is my, I'm really good at listening for the beeper and getting the cookies out of the oven, right? That's my skill for cooking. So I hear that, I go, guess what I expect when I open that door at exactly 11 minutes and 30 seconds? I expect to see fluffy, beautifully golden chocolate chip cookies. And when I reach in and pull it out without fail, that's what happens. Now, when the church does what the church did in Acts chapter 2, guess what we can expect? That the Lord will add to our number day by day those who are being saved. And so I want us to look at where are we as a church? Where are we as Redemption Church? And so when, we, when I pray, I want you to be praying. Maybe it's you're not devoted to the Word, but you need to be, you want to be. Pray for yourself in that area. Maybe you're not a member of the church. You've never believed in Jesus, but you're like, I want to do that. Pray and ask God to save you today, and He will. Maybe you've never been baptized. Pray about that decision. We can work that out. Set a date. We'll, we'll do that. That's a time of celebration. Maybe we're not devoted to each other. Maybe you're thinking, I, I need to be. I, I don't know how to do this. Ask God for wisdom as we pray. Maybe we're not devoted to prayer like we should. Ask God to give you a burden to pray for specific people, specific faces, get into each other's lives. And then maybe we have lost the expectation of God changing this community, changing your neighborhood, changing your workplace. Maybe it's time to dream again. Maybe it's time to have that expectation of God moving on a daily basis and seeing people saved. Listen, God is at work. We see his word 
We are his people, and we want to walk and go wherever he leads. This is a beautiful reminder of what the church should look like. And my prayer for Redemption Church is that we move to look more and more like what we see in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Father, you have gathered together a beautiful group of people. We got people from all sorts of backgrounds that add a variety of knowledge and wisdom and wealth to the community. Father, I pray for those that don't know you, that they make that decision today, that they call on you, that they turn from their sin and believe that Jesus can save them. I pray for those who um, are not valuing the word. I pray that today marks a turning point where they dig into the Bible, where they set it on their minds and their hearts and they walk it out through the week. Father, I pray for us as a community. Pray that you give us the grace to get into each other's lives, to encourage and push each other forward. Father, I pray for us as we begin to, to learn and look at what it means to be a people that pray. Show us how we can pray together. Show us some things that we need to be praying for. How we can lift up our families and our needs and our community and our city. And then, Father, I pray that we dream again, that we can see not just the city of Covington, but the nations reached with the gospel. This is what you've called us to and empowered us to do it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.